What is up, French Toast Sports? Back for another exciting week in the sports universe. Uh, we have a lot to get to. Going to be talking some college basketball, recapping the college football playoffs, also a little NFL Week 17 action, and uh, maybe at the end we'll get to some FanDuel lineups. But first, we're going to start off college basketball. I don't think. I don't think you can say um, that there is a team better than Gonzaga. The only team that I think that you could even put with them in the conversation is Baylor. I've watched every single team this year, and nobody, I mean nobody, comes close to Gonzaga in terms of ball movement, uh, scorers, the only thing I would say that they lack right now is defense, but they have guys who can block, guys who can steal. Um, the the way that Gonzaga looks, they remind me so much of Villanova, the one year they they were just so dominant from start to finish, and they're they're a deep, talented team. You know, there are guys on the bench for Gonzaga that would that would start at a lot of major college programs. And I think that just speaks volumes about how good Mark Few has. He has turned that team into a blue blood, whether people like it or not. I think Gonzaga is a blue blood. Um, maybe not in the historical sense. You know, people think of Kentucky, UCLA, Kansas. But I think when you're talking about the elites and the cream of the cream of the crop, Gonzaga has been that for, you know, I would say the last 10 plus years. So it's finally time to start putting some respect on Gonzaga's name, especially Mark Few and Jalen Suggs, one of the the most exciting players to watch right now. If you guys haven't watched Gonzaga basketball, you are missing something very exciting, my friends. Um, he is such a talented point guard. He's going to make an NBA team very happy one day when they take him because he is a freshman, but he plays like a senior. It's so it's so fun to watch when somebody has, you know, the intel not only not only the skills, right? The physical skills, the physical traits, but the intelligence, you know, the the ball movement, the ability to anticipate. And defensively, you know, he's fun to watch as well because he shows that grit and intensity on both ends of the floor, and I think that he's going to turn Gonzaga into a national champion. Um, which, hey, that would that would be amazing because you know watching Gonzaga go from the underdog. I remember when they were you know back in like the early two thousands. I think they were playing Arizona, um, in like the the second or third round, and. I remember they went to either overtime or double overtime with Arizona, who was a one seed at the time. And Gonzaga, you know, just came up short from beating them. But Mark Few has remained one of the best coaches in college basketball because, you know, he's 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 criminally underrated. And I think he's about to get the Jay Wright experience where Jay Wright was he was um he was shit on honestly for you know 
the big knock on Jay Wright was he couldn't get past that opening weekend. And he'd only done it like once or twice as a top seed before winning the championship two out of the last three years. Um, you know, Jay Wright was constantly disrespected and clowned on. I think Mark Few is finally going to break that stigma of Gonzaga can't win in March. Gonzaga can't win in April. I think that they finally, you know, albeit in a, a COVID pandemic year, I still think that Gonzaga easily gets it done. Not just gets it done. I think they coast through this tournament like Villanova did in 2018. So give me the Bulldogs, man. Um, I know it's not going out on a limb, but the way I have, you know, and I've watched all of these teams, trust me. Gonzaga looks head and shoulders above everybody else. Depth, talent, and offensively, it, they just they have such um, a knack for scoring the basketball. All five guys on the floor can score the basketball. It's not like they have some guy out there just for rebounds or some guy just out there for defense. All five of their guys can get buckets at any time. And, you know, when you have Suggs, you have Timmy, you have Anton um, Watson and uh, Corey Kispert. I mean, they just have such a fun team to watch. And I think they're going to be the ones ultimately cutting down the nets in Indianapolis. So um, that's really all I have to say for the wrap up for college basketball. It's not the the thing that sucks about college basketball this year, and I have to co- go on a little rant here. Is college basketball to me is the most exciting um forty minutes of any sport from start to finish. Um, when when there are crowds, when there is a crowd. Like a night game. Like think of think of um like an intense rivalry game. Like a Duke, North Carolina, and it's a packed house at Duke at Cameron Indoor. Or it's a packed house at the Dean Dome in North Carolina. And think about the energy. I mean, people at Duke games will wait outside for days before a North Carolina game. They'll camp out in tents right, to get in line just to go to that game. And then the energy in the building, I mean, from start to finish, once they blow that whistle, it's it's pandemonium. It's it's a madhouse, right? You got you get a bunch of drunk 20-year-olds, 20-somethings, in a, a packed house with EDM music blaring, and, you know, their team is, you know, going against their hated rival. There is no better environment in sports than college basketball when it's a packed house they're just it it doesn't compare and you know i i i i really love that sports are back but at the same time it's hard to watch these games sometimes for example texas today goes into the fog and gets a huge W over their rival Kansas. All right, the Texas looks like the number three team in the nation today, not Kansas. But if you watch the game, it was hard to watch visually 
there's nobody in the crowd, right? And, you know, normally, if there was a crowd, Kansas, who was struggling all game to make a bucket, you know, had they gone on any sort of run, they might have been able to develop some momentum, get the crowd back into it. All of a sudden, Texas has to take a timeout. Kansas starts feeling themselves. Who knows? Maybe the dynamic of the game changes. When it's an empty arena and you can't generate any sort of momentum, you're done. It's done. It's donezo. You have no chance now. And that's the thing that sucks is college sports are one of the greatest or is one of the greatest chances for a comeback in sports. Why? The energy, the momentum. It's definitely a psychological thing when you start gaining traction on a team and they can sense it. You know, it's like a shark smelling blood in the water. You know, it's it's tough to watch college sports these days, man. It just is, especially college basketball. College basketball, I will argue with anyone, has the greatest environment in sports. And to, you know, to watch these games without anybody being allowed in the stands, it's tough, man. It's tough. But, um, yeah, I... I I know that we're going to get to some sense of normalcy this year, which is good. You know, I I like that, you know, not just for a sports perspective, but for, you know, a a normal life just in general. But, man, we got to get back. We got to get this vaccine rolling. We got to get back to, you know, not hopefully not wearing masks by next year sometime because, this whole stuff is just crazy and not 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 seeing fans in the stands at Cameron Indoor on a Saturday against their hated rival or um, at the Breslin Center in Michigan State or um, Gonzaga. I mean, it's just it's so tough. Um to watch these games, man. And, you know, I, I just, I pray for the day when sports are allowed to have, um, civilians back in the stands. I can't wait. Can't wait. But enough about ranting about COVID and sports. Let's get back to the NFL week 17 regular season will be in the books and we'll finally know the playoff matchups after this week. Who's in, who's out, and I can't wait personally because my team actually has a shot at making the playoffs this year. And the Miami Dolphins right now, as it stands, are three-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. Oh, man, I I really wish that I had better news for you, but I don't think the Dolphins are making the playoffs. And here's why. If you look at the lines created by Vegas for these games where if you win, you're in type scenarios, the Ravens are 13 and a half point favorites against the Bengals. A two touchdown favorite in the NFL, basically a lock. I hate to use the L word, but it's basically a lock that they're going to win. The Steelers, or excuse me, the Browns, 
10-point favorites at home against Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. Big Ben's not even playing. They're essentially throwing that game in. So if the Browns can't win that game, then they absolutely do not deserve to be in the playoffs, and they will not be. Uh, The Tennessee Titans are taking on the Houston Texans. Another game, which, you know, for the Titans, should be another easy winner. And the Indianapolis Colts take on the Jacksonville Jaguars as two touchdown favorites at home. The Dolphins by far have the toughest game out of the five teams competing for those final spots in the wild card. So when you when you break it all down, the Dolphins having to win this game most likely or hope one of those other teams trip up, the Dolphins are in the worst spot right now. They are. And Tua's going to have to, you know, he has no Fitz magic to bail him out. He's going to have to play a near-perfect game against a good Buffalo Bills team, which, who knows, they may end up sitting Josh Allen in the second half. They might play him the entire game just because they don't want to lose momentum, right? They don't want to sit him for a half, and, you know, they want to, you know, for whatever reason, they you know, let's say the Steelers win. I think if the Steelers win, no, you know what? I think the Bills actually have the two seeds. So, I don't know if they officially have the two seed or not, but if they do, it's it's most likely a chance that Allen will sit. I want to take a look at the standings here really quick. Let's see here. So it's saying twelve and three. They're twelve and th- yeah. So actually, if if the Bills win, they get the two seed officially. So they have to win in order to get it. So they might end up playing Allen the entire game, which is good for the Bills. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to, unfortunately, you know, with seven teams making it this year, and they add the extra team. So you'd think at 10 and 6, the Dolphins would make it. That's just simply not going to be the case this year. I think the Dolphins lose. I think the Bills win by double digits in the snow. I think that, you know, defense travels. But man, it is it's very tough watching our offense. Our offense scored um I want to say like 17 points based on two big plays. You can't rely on big plays. We don't have big play guys. And especially in the snow and in the elements in Buffalo, you definitely can't rely on big plays. You got to be able to consistently get, you know, four or five yards. Um, a carry or you know six seven yards of a pass play the Dolphins offense is all built on speed which is going to be neutralized out in in the elements in Buffalo and I don't see the Dolphins winning this game I'm gonna have to I, I got I got the bills by double digits so I think right now if you take the bills minus three obviously you know, I'm not going to give out official picks right now, but as it stands, the Bills minus three looks to be one of my favorite plays. And I think a lot of people are going to take the Dolphins with the incentive of if they win, they're in. And, the, you know, the Bills aren't necessarily playing for um, as much as the Dolphins are. That's fair. But like I said, I don't think I don't think Tua has truly grasped the game yet. 
when I think next year when everything, you know, kind of settles down for him, then he may when he has, you know, a Devontae Smith or a Jamar Chase to throw to. I think that then and only then can he progress. So we're going to take the Bills in that one. Ravens, Bengals. This should be a blowout from start to finish. But I like the over 44. I think that either the Ravens just put up a bunch of points on the Bengals and, you know, they just, you know, they they have to win or they're, you know, possibly out. So I think that Lamar Jackson shows out. I think Brandon Allen even puts up some points on the Ravens defense somehow. And the total sits at 44. I would take the over. You know, Bengals got a lot of young talent on their team with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. They're going to want to show out and build some momentum for next year. And the Ravens, you know they can put up points. Their offense is clicking. It's coming together. 44 almost seems a little too low. I think it's, you know, because of the Bengals, you know, the the, the question marks at quarterback and the question marks with their offense. But give me the over. It's the final game of the season. And I think, um, I think there'll be a lot of points in that one. Steelers-Browns. The Browns is 10-point favorites. Definitely do not excite me even going against Mason Rudolph, who definitely will have a chip on his shoulder going against the Browns after what happened last year with them getting in the huge fight with Miles Garrett. think that the Steelers play with a bit of a chip on the shoulder given their history. I don't know if it'll be enough, though. Um, you know, the Browns are definitely playing for more here because they have to win. So, Spreads 10, though. I don't really like taking the Browns as double-digit favorites. Those are usually reserved for teams. I mean, I don't like taking double-digit favorites in the NFL at all. But if I do take it, it's got to be a team like the Ravens going against the Jaguars like they did earlier this year. I mean, that's just free money. If I had to bet this game, gun to my head, I'd take the Steelers plus 10. But like I said, you know, it's just... The Steelers basically know where they're playing, and the Browns have to win. I think the Browns end up getting the W, although they'll probably make it closer than it should be, given that Mason Rudolph is the starter. So I would take the 10 points if I were to bet this game, but I don't think this one's going to be on my card. Vikings-Lions spreads 4.5, total sits at 54. Stafford looks to be good to go um, to start. But, man, I don't know. He is he is really the embodiment of the blue-collar mentality that the city of Detroit is all based upon. And um, I think, ultimately, the Lions, or excuse me, Stafford will... Um, I think he'll have a little chip on his shoulder, especially knowing that this could be his final game as a lion and all of those memories will be flooded back to him. You know, like, Oh my God, this could be, this could be it. This is my legacy right here. Um, although I think lion, true lions fans know that, you know, he is the goat in terms of lions quarterbacks. Um, you know, what he has done for the city of Detroit. And, you know, he was really never given a, 
a, a fair shake in terms of, yeah, they had defense, you know, some years they had good defense, some years they had good offense, but they never really had a full team around him um, to make it, to give him a chance, basically, is what I'm saying. So, spreads four and a half. I think, you know, could this be a, a Stafford comeback game where he comes back and, you know, classic Stafford form, he he rallies the troops? Sure. Um, you know the Lions defense isn't going to stop the Vikings, even with no Dalvin Cook. I, you know, Jefferson, Thielen, Irv Smith, Cousins should push the pace of this game over and then Stafford if he's trailing you know he's going to be chucking the ball I would look over and I would look at the Lions plus four and a half but you know another game where it's just two teams that are out of the playoff race why even bet this game you know I, I would say Lions plus four and a half is the bet but again it's the Lions Another game that looks too good to be true, in my opinion, is the Jets getting three against New England. New England, oh my God, man. I mean, I could have told you this from the start. Cam Newton is done. Let me say this again. Done in the NFL. All right. He is done. I understand he has no weapons, and I understand that, you know, the system that is created in, um, New England isn't really suitable for how he plays the game. But he just isn't it anymore. He is nowhere near the quarterback that he was when he was had his MVP year with Carolina going to the Super Bowl. He's nowhere near Super Cam. He is um, you know, two shoulder surgeries, a lot of knee problems, a foot problem. His accuracy leaves a lot to be desired. Of course, he doesn't really have the weapons that he had when he was in Carolina, but he's just not the same quarterback. The Jets are playing with some serious mojo after losing their first 13 games of the season. They win as 17 and a half point underdogs against the Rams. And then last week, they win as nine and a half or 10 point underdogs against the Browns. So, two games where they were double digit underdogs, they win straight up. And now they're playing the Patriots, you're telling me, and they're only three-point underdogs. Listen, give me the Jets all day in this one. Even if they do fire Gase, I think that they go out with a W. Bill, he might just throw in the towel. He might just, you know, make it look like they weren't, you know, they were trying, but at the same time, uh, you know, try to tank to get a better pick because he knows that Cam isn't the answer and they're going to have to end up getting a quarterback in there because I don't think Stidham's the answer either. So I think the Jets win this one again. They end the game. They end the year, rather, on a three-game winning streak after losing their first 13. I would take the Jets with medium confidence, actually. You know, the way they've been playing these last couple of weeks, they're playing with some energy. The locker room's buzzing. And although Darnold might be on the way out and Gase might be as well, I think they go out guns blazing and get a W. So Cowboys-Giants, Cowboys in a must-win situation for the division. Giants, you know, not playing for anything. They don't have a chance to win the East this year. Spread is two in favor of the Cowboys. Total sits at 45. 
I like the Cowboys. Seems like a square pick, but I think that Sunday night game is going to be up to Washington to win and win the division. I think the Cowboys win this game easily, actually. Daniel Jones, he's just not it, man. He's not. You can blame the weapons. You can blame whatever you want. You can blame the ownership, the team, the coach. He just isn't it. And I think we're slowly but surely starting to realize that after he showed flashes of it as a rookie, he's just not it. And the Cowboys under Andy Dalton have looked somewhat, somewhat, and I don't want to, you know, they've looked somewhat good. You know, they this is a talented team. You have to remind yourself, this team lost their starting quarterback in the beginning of the year against the Giants, right? This is the same team they lost Dak to. And they end actually, I think they ended up winning that game on a late field goal by Dan Bailey. So they ended up gutting out a win. I think with Andy Dalton, you know, C.D. Lamb starting to play with some juice, Michael Gallup, um, Pollard and Elliott on the ground game. I think the Cowboys win this game going away. I think they put the Giants out of their misery. They get a big W, and then they wait and watch their TVs later that night to see if they are going to make the playoffs. And I think they actually have a very good shot because Philly with Jalen Hurts, they're playing with some juice. So it would not shock me if the Cowboys, even without Dak Prescott, end up winning this mediocre division by far the worst division in the nfl but that's a topic for another day (laughs) um the falcons and the bucks don't want to spend too much time on this one the falcons they're not playing for anything the bucks they're already wrapped up in the playoffs as a wild card um they're gonna most likely be the west best wild card as long as they win i think they'll play whoever's in the nfc east so this is a big one for Tom, I would take the over. I think a lot of points will be scored in this one. So I would take the over 50 and a half. You know, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, they definitely have a lot of playmakers in Atlanta and the Bucks. You know, as long as it's a back and forth type of game, I would take the over 50 and a half. So that's really all that needs to be said about that game. That game's not really going to be watch worthy, in my opinion. I would probably just skip watching that game uh saints panthers no running backs for the saints that's going to make it very interesting also not really sure their level of how long they're going to play drew Brees. um though you know given that they're in the same time slot as the packers they can't really gauge um and I, i i would assume that the packers win against the bears um that's just me, you know, speaking as someone who isn't really high on the Bears, but I would assume that the Packers beat the Bears, which means that, you know, it's all going to be for not anyways, even if they do end up playing Drew Brees the entire game. You know, Drew's basically the same age as Tom Brady. So I would give him all the rest they need. I don't think they're going to get the one seed. They would need, I think they need Green Bay and whoever the three seed is. So that's... Seattle to both lose and then they would have to win in order to get the one seed so don't see that happening um so they might as well rush Drew 46 and a half is the total uh that's pretty tough 
I don't know actually if I would even bet that game. It's not really worth betting. Uh, Packers Bears. I love the Packers minus four and a half. Listen, you give me a rod against the Bears. I'm laying it. I'm laying it. I'm laying it. Especially in a must-win game, give me A-Rod. You're going to give me A-Rod or Mitch Trubisky in a must-win game? Come on, dude. Seriously. You got to be out of your mind if you think I'm taking the Bears over the Packers. Minus four and a half. That's probably going to be on my card. Packers win. They wrap up the one seed. And um, I, it's, it's hard for me to envision... Now at this point, you know, I had Chiefs Rams for the longest time, but it's it's hard for me to envision any other Super Bowl combo than Chiefs Packers. It looks like it's going to be the future versus the past. Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers, you know, like almost like a passing of the torch type of game, right? Packers are playing with some serious juice. They just killed the Tennessee Titans on Sunday night football in front of the whole nation. I, I love the Packers. I love the way they're playing right now. They're they're coming together at the right time. So I like the Packers. Uh Jags Colts not gonna say anything about that game. Colts just have to win. They don't necessarily have to do anything um in order to uh you know they don't have to win with style points. So I'm I'm gonna take the the Colts to win, but totals 49. It's gonna be a lot of running in that game. That's probably another pass for me. I, I'm just not interested in betting games like that, where you know the team most likely is gonna win, and there's just no point in betting the spread. So just give me the Colts there. So moving on to the next game, um, we're gonna go ahead and take. Um, let's see here. Got the Titans and the Texans. This is a game where I love the over. I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored. You know, Deshaun Watson, he's a fighter. And even though he doesn't have Will Fuller due to PEDs, I still feel like he's gonna find a way to ball and put up points. Um, especially after after the uh the speech that JJ Watt gave after the game where he's gonna kind of rally the guys and hopefully light a fire under everyone's ass. Titans have to win this game, so it's almost better if the Texans start out with a lead. The Titans have to come back and uh, maybe push this game over. So we'll take the over 55.5 most likely tomorrow. I will let you know once I have my official picks up, but that's a game I'm actually looking strongly at. Chargers-Chiefs, it's just not a bettable game. You know, Chad Honey's starting. You don't know where the, you know, the Chiefs' motivation, the Chargers, they're most likely going to fire Anthony Lynn. Do they even try? Uh, what's the, you know, that's just a game where the level of motivation is just not there. That's not a bettable game. Raiders-Broncos, same exact thing. Raiders just got deflated at home against Miami. Their playoff chances, done. Broncos, They've probably been looking to fire Vic Fangio ever since he didn't realize how to manage a clock back on Monday Night Football against the Titans. Um, And, you know, the complete lack of development of Drew Locke. They're going to have to get an offensive mind in there in order to start getting the most out of him. 
that's another game that's just not bettable. Cardinals-Rams, I think there's definite value in taking the Cardinals against the Rams, minus three. Um, you know, I, th- I don't think a lot of people see the difference between Wolford and Goff, and I don't think there much there is much of a difference. I just think that Cliff and Kyler are going to make the playoffs this year, and in order to do that, they got to win. So I'd lay the small number on the road. The Rams, let's face it, you lose to the Jets. Do you really deserve to go to the playoffs? I think you have your answer right there. (laughs) So we're going to go with the Cardinals minus three. Uh, Seahawks minus seven against the Niners. That's a tough one. You know, like I said, Russell Wilson just wins games. But like I said, on the road, he doesn't really cover spreads. So this is a it's a meaningful game, but it's not as meaningful if that makes sense um so i would probably avoid that game as well and then the final game of the week and to wrap up the regular season sunday night in philadelphia washington football team minus three and a half the spread sits at or the total sits at 44 um like i said I think you I think you could actually bet the Eagles. But it's hard to bet against, you know, the final game of the regular season. What would be the craziest like what would be the most 2020 thing? I know we're in 2021, but what would be the most 2020 thing to happen? A team called the football team making the playoffs. So if you think that sums up 2020, Bet on the Giants or bet on the football team. Because either one of those scenarios, the football team is in the playoffs. So that wraps it up. Um, I want to get into a little bit of FanDuel here. So I'm going to pull up a couple of lineups and some players that I'm targeting tomorrow. I'll actually post some lineups tomorrow in the morning when I wake up. And I'll show you guys my thought process for breaking down the slate. I also just downloaded PFF, which shows me, it gives me like all of the target breakdowns, the, the carries and the touches and snap counts and all that good stuff. And I have about 50 bucks in my FanDuel account, so I'm sure I'll blow about half of it tomorrow on lineups, given that it's the final week of the regular season. So let's see here. Um, the most expensive quarterback... On the main slate roster is, no surprise, Lamar Jackson. You know, high implied team total going against the Bengals. He's the most dynamic rusher. You know, rushing yards, you're going to get more points per rushing yard than you are per passing. So it makes sense to take guys who can run the ball. Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray. So, Lamar at 9,000. Let's see if we can find like a value quarterback. Um, Matty Ice at 7,500. Not too bad. Going against the Bucks. Um, like I said, it depends on your level of risk tolerance. Rolling Matt Stafford out in his final game, possibly as a Detroit Lion. 
about 7,200. I don't hate it. I do not hate it. You can also take one of the uh, Raiders quarterbacks. What do you think is Mariota or Carr? Um, looks like it most likely will be Carr, though. Andy Dalton has been pretty sneaky um, over these last couple of weeks. No fits magic, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So you're most likely going to have to take a stud. Kirk Cousins is at 7,700. Mahomes isn't playing, so you can't really take him. Tannehill, 8,200. He shit the bed last week. Does he come back and bounce back? Of course, Tom Brady looks to be like the easiest pick on the board at 8,400. I think everybody's going to have ownership in him. Will people be off Rodgers at 8,500 given that the Bears have a good pass defense? That might be a good tournament play. Um, especially if you think that maybe the Bears get off to like one of those hot starts and then Rodgers has to climb back and start chucking the ball. That actually might be a good good potential outlook. I love Deshaun Watson tomorrow. I don't know why. He has no weapons. He has no business being um, being owned that much. But, man, the guy is just – he just balls out. I don't know how he does it, but he has no one to throw to, no running game, no offensive line, and he still puts up monster fantasy points. He is just the definition of a baller. Um, Josh Allen, that's risky. That's a good pivot play, I guess, for, you know, people who might be off of him because, you know, what if he doesn't play the second half, then you're screwed, right? You're missing an entire half of football. That's that's tournament suicide. So, um, you know, you could probably plug him in a couple lineups if you think he does play the entire game, but I'm sure the weather's going to be just terrible and not really worth um, throwing Josh Allen in any lineups, especially not for cash. Russell Wilson against the Niners or Drew Brees against the Panthers. Those are both kind of mid-tier options in terms of pricing where you're getting good quarterbacks. It's just they're mid-priced because of either matchup or other issues. Other quarterbacks on the slate are targeted higher. So that basically wraps up the quarterback position. Running back, of course, you have Derrick Henry. Don't know why they have Christian McCaffrey listed on there. He's definitely not going to play. David Montgomery, 8,200. Um, Austin Eckler, 7,700. Like I said, I think he has that contract thing. I think he's like 120 or 130 yards shy of reaching his contract milestone, which would enable him to a significant bonus. You got to target guys. You got to look at things like that. You got to target guys who are looking to hit contract milestones or goals. And there, there are certain... Um, websites that I think post that like post how many yards they are away from hitting a certain goal or milestone from their contract in that final week. Those are definitely things that you want to look at. Um, Chris Carson against the Niners. I don't hate it. You know, those running backs always seem to eat against the Niners. Miles Gaskin at 6,700 in the snow. I'm sure he's going to get fed the ball a lot. Zeke or Tony Pollard. I don't hate either of those. 
J.K. Dobbins against the Bengals. Um, kind of scrolling down here because I don't really see many good options. Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, you could you could take like a who else? Well, he's out as well. Yeah, that's basically the bottom of the barrel after that. Wide receiver. I think you have to play Devontae Adams. I mean, he is just guy's a freak. I mean, I understand. I, mean, I think that, you know, him being the highest or most expensive receiver, coupled with the fact that he has a tough matchup in terms of the pass defense, a lot of people will probably be off of him. But Devontae Adams is a top tier receiver. Aaron Rodgers or not, I think his footwork, his release, his route running is unmatched in in the game. You know, he is just, you know, him and Keenan Allen are two of the best route runners in the NFL with their footwork. So I think he has the ability to create separation and catch the ball in tight windows. He is definitely worth the high price point because he is Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. Um, Other guys worth rostering. I would say DeAndre Hopkins, even though going against Ramsey. Uh, Mike Evans, of course, always a decent option. Brandon Cooks, if the, like I said, if the Titans game gets to be a shootout, Brandon Cooks is really his only healthy, good option at receiver. So Brandon Cooks makes a lot of sense. Plus, he has the ability to go off for, you know, like 160 yards and two touchdowns. DJ Moore against the Saints, same thing. You know, he's just one of those explosive guys that could go off. He's like a Swiss Army knife. Um, Other guys, Crowder against the Patriots. Gallup against the Giants isn't a bad option. CeeDee Lamb, same thing. T. Higgins against the Ravens. Uh, don't really feel that one. Um, Aguilar against the Broncos isn't a bad option. You know, he's had a phenomenal year. Rashard Higgins against the Steelers. No, I don't know about that one. Um, then, of course, you have Zach Pascal against the Jaguars. So that's kind of a brief little rundown of the wide receiver position. Tight end, you know, it's short, it's sweet. It's Darren Waller. It's Mark Andrews. It's Robert Tanyan. It's Gronk. And that's basically about it. <laughs> Uh, defense, top defenses. Let's see. Um, you know, Colts going against the Jaguars. That almost seems too easy. Steelers going against the Browns. Dolphins and Bills both have good defenses that can force turnovers, sacks, fumbles, picks, all that good stuff, touchdowns. So if you're looking at one of those options, maybe you like the Dolphins or you like the Bills. Um, A cheaper option. I don't know if I necessarily like any of these cheaper options. That's basically it. All right, so I'll let you guys know in the morning who I'm thinking. Um... But that should give you a, a, a good idea of who I like going forward. So that's going to just about do it. Um, I am getting tired. I had a long day at work. I wish I had more time to put into these podcasts. But this one I probably should have done yesterday. 
I will start doing. I'm going to give you guys more content. Like I said, I can't wait to, you know, finally uh, be on YouTube so you guys can see my beautiful face. <laughs> and, um, you know, I can connect with you guys a little bit better on there, make things a little bit more personal. And, um, you know, that way I can start building a base and maybe answer any guys, any of you guys' questions regarding gambling, DFS, um, sports in general, and, you know, just go that route. So, uh, I'm going to also start doing more college basketball podcasts, um, probably like a, a weekly recap and just kind of give you like maybe a brief overview of how that, that last week went all the way up until March when we have our selection Sunday. Can't wait for that. So stay tuned guys. Front show sports is going to blow up this year. And I hope you guys are ready for all the content I'm going to start producing because I do it all for you guys at the end of the day. You know, all of this, all the hard work I put into this, the betting, the the DFS lineups, all of the content I'm going to start making for you guys. It's all for you. So I hope you guys like this episode. Uh, if you did, leave me a like. Also, follow me on Anchor or Spotify. I will also start posting my picks on Twitter. So follow French Toast Sports on Twitter if you haven't already done so. And I will talk to you guys later. Peace.